to be singing a song that I would ask you as they sing it, uh, yes, appreciate the beauty of the voices, but listen to the beauty of the lyrics as well. There's a real blessing in this message. It's entitled Gratitude, and it will be sung by Jessica Kowalczuk and Caitlin Palmateo. Gratitude. And then following the special music, we'll have the sermonette for today, faithful brother in Christ, Brother Tony Brathwaite from the Toronto Congregation. Oh, the differences that often 
Greetings, brethren, and salutations. Um, beautiful music, like we have heard just now, is a part of the privilege that God has provided for us at the Feast of Tabernacles. And brethren, I applaud you for showing up at God's invitation so we are honored guests in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I can hardly think of a reason why any one of us would not show up if the Prime Minister would invite us to his residence. We would jump over each other to honor that invitation. So brethren, here we are, because we have not only been invited by God, but commanded to be in his presence at the Feast of Tabernacles. So brethren, let us consider ourselves very privileged, but with privilege comes responsibility. Brethren, here we are at God's feast. Brethren, are we so comfortable in this present evil world that secretly 
we would wish that the coming of the kingdom of God would be delayed just a little bit till our work is done, our own work and our projects are completed. Brethren, God knows the hearts of men. He knows that if you give men power, money, and influence, the only welcome change would be more and more. Because these things represent a support system, brethren, that challenge the authority of God in the lives of men. In Revelation 4, verse 11, we are told that God created all things for his honor and for his glory. The pinnacle of God's creation, as we heard last night in the Bible study, is man, which is a model of God himself. God placed man in a perfect environment. No border clashes. No unsavory neighbor. No adverse conditions. Awesome privileges, brethren. Fellowship unmitigated with him. Conditions that were conducive to his growth and development whereby he could pursue a deepening relationship with God until eventually he would bear his express image. What did man do, brethren? In Isaiah 53, verse 6, he said, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Everyone, brethren, none of us has escaped that condition. We have all gone astray. God desired mankind to find rest in him. God is not easily dissuaded from his plan. His purpose will stand. So, he called ancient Israel a downtrodden, an enslaved, restless people and made a covenant with them, brethren. I'm starting over, as it were, because God desires to dwell with man in an harmonious relationship. That's what makes it possible for us to be here, brethren. Ancient Israel failed as well. Let's see what God says about the conduct of ancient Israel as he expresses his disappointment Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 5. 
This is God speaking, brethren. Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug up and cleaned out his stones and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. Ho oh now, inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge please between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done to my vineyard that I have not Brethren, God was filled with expectancy when he brought Israel out of Egypt. He said he planted the vineyard with the choicest of vine. He built a wine press, brethren. If you plant a vineyard and you build a wine press, it means that you are expecting grape. You are expecting fruit. From your labor. That didn't happen brethren. Israel did not stop provoking our God. Until they returned. Back to Egypt. Again brethren. God is not frustrated. God is not dissuaded. He called the church of God. What more could I have done to my vineyard? This is what God has done, brethren. He has called out a people out of sin. Blessed them with his Holy Spirit. Gave his only begotten son, brethren, for you and me that we can be cleansed from our sins. That we can stand in his presence as a holy people. He said, I will make a new covenant. In which I will write my laws in their hearts. And so brethren, when we receive God's Holy Spirit. is the fact that God is writing his laws within our hearts. That we can be the holy people that he desires to fulfill his purpose. God is in heaven and we are on earth. And brethren, there is a work that must be done. The gospel must be preached. It's the agency by which the arts of men are transformed. That they can be appropriate representatives of God on earth. Brethren. We are that church. Are we enjoying the rest into which God has brought us? You see, brethren, Jesus Christ said in his word, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Brethren, are you resting in Christ? Are you enjoying the rest of the Christian life? 
Are you eager about maintaining and pursuing an active, strong, and dynamic relationship with God and with Jesus Christ? It behooves us, brethren, to do that. You see, brethren, we are people with the laws of God written in our heart. Israel continue to dream about going back to Egypt. They contemplated, for those I'm sure were vegetarians, about the onions and the leeks and the rapini and all the different vegetables. And for those who are carnivores, they remember sitting by the flesh pots in Egypt. No memory or mention about the slave master's whip, about the agonizing labor. That's the deceitfulness of sin, brethren. And we cannot go forward by looking in the rearview mirror. It is an awful privilege to be called children of God. And brethren, though we have the privilege of being called children, there is a responsibility not only to enjoy what God is doing in our lives, but also to make it known to those around us that there is a God in the church and in the midst of his people who are prepared to protect, to provide for, to guide, to guard, and to ensure that his plan for us are never frustrated. Brethren, we have so much to be thankful for. I remember when I was in Jamaica and we would attend meetings and they want to have something accomplished in the meeting. Somebody would stand up and they would say, be it resolved that such and such will take place. And if that is adopted, there is no, nothing that can stop that from being implemented. So brethren, let us resolve that we will not go back to Egypt. Let us resolve that we will honor our God by our words and our conduct. Let it be resolved in our hearts, brethren, that whatever plan God has decreed over our lives, ultimately, we shall be born into the very kingdom of God. What we have today, brethren, is just a foretaste. Let us resolve in our hearts that the plan of God will be accomplished in our lives without fail. Because God has given everything that pertains to life and godliness. Brethren, let us seize upon the opportunity and assume the responsibilities of being worthy servants of God through the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Brethren, enjoy the rest of the feast. Listen to the messages and enjoy the feast that God has prepared for you. God has crafted these messages through the agency of his Holy Spirit. It is for us, brethren. This is a powerful opportunity. 
God planned to spend these days with us. And as he said in his word, I will not leave you or will not forsake you. Let's enjoy the rest, brethren, because the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want. Bless you, brethren. sermonette. I want to say also it's a very inspired sermonette. I was uh, surprised on two counts. The first, when I read to you this morning, Hebrews 6, I skipped over two verses. And I just want you to quickly turn there, Hebrews 6. I read from verses 4, or from verse 4, to verse 6. I then skipped verses 7 and 8, and I went to verse 9. Verse 7 says, For the earth which drinks in the rain that comes often upon it, and brings forth herbs appropriate for them by whom it is dressed, that earth receives a blessing from God. But that which bears thorns and briars is rejected, and it's near unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. When the apostle is speaking to the Hebrews, he didn't have to tell them that he was referring to Isaiah 5, which Tony, Brother Tony read from. And what Isaiah 5 is saying is that God planted a vineyard, and instead of receiving grapes, he received, the, the translation says wild grapes, but if you look at the meaning of that, it means poisonous grapes. These are grapes that kill people. And so that's the context now when you come into verse 9, that we're persuaded of better things of you, and verse 10 that you are ministering to the saints, that you're concerned about how your example impacts the saints, and you're not going to apostatize, you're not going to be faithless, because you realize that that could impact others. That if you have to be put to death, like Abel, Abel still witnesses to us today in his death, because you're constantly mindful of the impact you have on others. So I was really uh, amazed that I skipped those verses because it was just too much to get into that. And yet, Brother Tony was inspired to read the original scripture that the apostle was quoting from. Secondly, I had a hymn we were going to sing next, and my wife said to me, we need to put that to the end because we want the choir to support you. In other words, we don't want you singing that by yourself. <laughs> so we took the last hymn, and we put it to be sung now. And would you believe it's, I am resolved. So Brother Tony said, be it resolved, let's all stand and turn to page number 84, and let's sing, I am resolved.
now be blessed with some more special music, this time by the Festival Choir, and they'll be performing a piece entitled, Come, Ye Thankful People. So a real theme of gratitude here, Come, Ye Thankful People. And then immediately following the special music, we'll have the main message for today, and that'll be brought to us by Pastor George Ramakan.
Good morning, everyone. First of all, we'd like to welcome you back to the Feast of Tabernacles, day three. And, uh, of course, to welcome anyone who is joining us for today, uh, for the first time during the, the Feast of Tabernacles. We have been having a wonderful time here, don't you think so? It's been, it's been certainly um, more than we need, in a sense. In other words, we have been filled and filled. We are being fed and fed. And, of course, yesterday was just an exceptional day with a great sermon given by Pastor Pometeer, uh, which, you know, titled, Are You Satisfied with Your Temple? And uh, giving an exposition on the book of Haggai uh, and just showing that whole relationship of how, in a literal sense, the idea of building the temple of God is something that we sometimes can, you know, just go halfway, go part way, and just leave it there, and, you know, it, it stays, and nothing more is being done, and, and, and just showing how that applies to our life. And uh, that sermon, I understand, is already on the Internet, um, on the Burlington website, and so for those who are visiting today that um, might not have been here, or those who want to hear it again, you need to turn there. And then, of course, last night was also very exceptional um, with that, you know, very stimulating Bible study uh, given by Pastor Davis in uh, giving us a, an overarching sense of the purpose of the book of Hebrews and bringing out the essence of it, which is the superiority of Jesus Christ, and to understand the, the, the context in which we are worshippers of Jesus Christ. These are just treasures that you don't want to lose, and I encourage you to continue to, um, continue to, I'll put this in my pocket and <laughs> see if it works, that <laughs> you'll continue to follow through on these. Now today, I want to take us down a pretty practical road, a pretty practical path, because ultimately, the purpose you come to the Feast of Tabernacles and the purpose you are, you, you go to, you, you are in services on the Sabbath and you are seeking to, to, to walk the way, ultimately, it is to enter the kingdom of God. Is that so? Is, that your, is this what you're trying to do? Of course, we are all trying to enter to make sure, you know, the scriptures say we must make that calling and election sure. And there is a part to play. God has done his part. Christ has done his part. They have given us the Holy Spirit. And we are now, it's your turn. We are to do that. And so I want us to, to really put our minds together to think about the things we must do, the things we need to do, the responsibilities we have, the assignments that God has given to us in order to ensure that we enter into the kingdom of God. There is a role we must play. There's a part we must play. And so, practical steps we need to take 
to ensure our entry into the kingdom of God is what we are going to be discussing and interacting with during the course of this sermon. We all agree there is no higher role. There's nothing compared that can be compared with the offer that Christ has given to us, which is to become co-heirs and co-rulers. To be a co-heir and to be a co-ruler means that everything that Christ has, everything that the Father has given to him, you are written in that will. You know, sometimes when we think about it in the very practical world where our name is in a will, if your name was in the will of Bill Gates or Warren Buffett, it probably would make some sense to you that you are there and, and you're going to be a co-ear, which means whatever he has, you are also going to have that. I think what is happening with us in Christianity is that we have not been able to, to simmer it down where it becomes a very personal practical, applicable, meaningful, literally know that this is something that works and it works for us if we make that effort. But the Bible shows that in order for us to possess that kingdom, for us to enter that kingdom, there, there is a, an attitude to begin with. There's an attitude we need to have. And we need to think about it, whether we have that attitude, each one of us. Because the way in which we think, the way in which we, we relate to the idea of God's kingdom matters how then we are going to be living our lives, how the things we are going to do, the sacrifices we will make. Listen to this. Turn your Bibles, please, to Matthew 13 and verse, we look at verse 44. Start there. It's 46. And what you're seeing there is an illustration given by Christ as to just how the kind of attitude, the kind of mindset those who want to enter into the kingdom of God must have. It's not a casual affair. It's not a matter that, well, Christ has died for me and Christ has done it all and he has paid it all. There is a requirement and a demand, and listen to this. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. That alone, that alone, is a sermon. Because the, the value, first of all, just what the magnitude and the value of that kingdom becomes one of the big uh, questions. And secondly, it is hid. It is not everyone who finds it. It is rare. That is why the church of God 
is not really filling out and you are seeing on your television screen some of the of the evangelical and the work being done by the Protestant and Catholic churches and how the population of thousands upon thousands of people turning up now do not that take that to mean that God's church is not eventually going to be the largest of all the whatever may call themselves churches. But in this particular context, understand that because of the rarity of this kingdom, few there are the finest. So this is, this, this is where it begins. Then it goes on. It says, when a man found it, he hid it again. In other words, oh my goodness, I, I, I need to get this. I, I need to take hold of this. I need to find out how I can possess this. I don't want anyone to, to take this away from me. So he found it. He hid it again. In other words, he secured it. He didn't want it to, be, to come and then, oh my goodness, it's gone. That is the kind of attitude and mindset that God outlines for us here that each one of us needs to have in order to possess the kingdom. Then he goes on. He hid it again. And then, in his joy, so having found the kingdom, it has changed his whole life. It has changed his whole outlook. It has changed his hope. It has changed the, his, his, his goals. He now, he now has found what really matters. He now has found what really works. He now has found what really will deliver. What will satisfy. And so the kingdom is found. And he, he went and he sold all that he had. Consider that. To possess the kingdom of God it requires putting aside, in other words, using everything we have to invest in this kingdom. You know, in our practical lives, we know about these things. We know about investment opportunities. There are people who do that, practically. They have savings, and they would say, you know what, wow, this is a great opportunity. You know what? It looks like if I could purchase this piece of real estate, you know, bam, within five years, ten years, bam, it is going to be twice the value. I'm going to buy it. Or it is going as a deal. I'm going to buy it. We invest that way. But how about this prize, this pearl of great prize, putting away everything that we have in order that we can invest it in that kingdom. That is the mindset. And I'm afraid that unless we get to that point of overwhelmingly excited about the kind we have 
the thing we have found in this kingdom. In the kingdom of God is a casual affair where, you know, well, okay, yeah, it's a good thing I know and um, I will go to services whenever I can. And, you know, uh, yeah, I will, I'll think about that. But, you know, today it doesn't look so well out there. It's maybe raining and, you know, it's, if, if that is really what it is, if it's, if it's just a convenience, it's not going to work. Not going to work for any of us. And as we come to the Feast of Tabernacles, there is a resolve that we need to make. Capturing on, 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 on Brother Brathwaite's words. A resolve we need to make. We need to take a decision as to whether we are willing to invest everything we have in the kingdom. Because a partial investment is a loss. If you're simply going to use just the things that you can, you are convenient, just the things that you can dispose of. There's some things that, no, 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 no. I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't sacrifice these things. If that is going to be it, may as well, we don't invest. The kingdom calls for all or nothing. It calls for a full investment. In as much as Christ gave his life, the kingdom calls for us to give our lives for the gospel and for the way of Jesus Christ. Again, it says in verse 45, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found it, when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Which means that all that he now possessed is the kingdom. Because everything else that he had has now been sold. And all that he has is the kingdom. In other words, we are supposed to so possess this kingdom that it, 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 that is what gives us full satisfaction. That is what gives us full satisfaction. But you know, the problem really is that we have not been able to personalize that concept as far as the kingdom is concerned. If, if we were, for example, every one of us here, I mean, you know, not the children, but the, all the adults, all the parents, all the persons here, you want to, you, you want to have a, a, a comfortable home, or you have a comfortable home, or you're looking at purchasing one, and you see the value in that. You see the value in working hard and probably doing some double time and saving towards the purchase of that home and then getting a mortgage and paying that mortgage for a lifetime in order to own that home. We understand the concept. It's not that we don't. It is just that we have not now brought it in as close as that to understand it. It is not as crystallized in our minds. So what is happening to us is that we can do that. We can do that and take out all our savings and go invest it in a house. We can, we, can, we, can, we, can, we can put all our time into double time work in order to, to, to possess that house. We'll do many things, make many sacrifices for it. But the kingdom of God, because it is afar off, because we have never really seen it in the sense as literal as we see the house, 
Because we have not been able to literally touch it the way we can touch the house. Because we do not see our neighbors with it. And therefore, even the covetous spirit would want us to say, I want it too. Then we find ourselves in that uh, situation where it becomes a casual affair. So, the problem that stands between us and the possessing of the kingdom is really that it is not as real in our lives and as real to us as that house or that person we are courting in order to become our spouse. We will, we will make the sacrifice. We will, we will do everything we can to, to please. We, we will live up to the rules because we, we ultimately want that marriage. But with the kingdom of God, it is not the same experience for us. But you know, if we come to understand what Christ says about the kingdom, then we will understand that the idea of getting that house, or the idea of getting that spouse, or the idea of having those children, and all the various things that we, we think about that are great and wonderful, that that is not unrelated to possessing the kingdom of God. In fact, Christ makes it very clear for us, very simple. If in this life, you want to have the very best outcome of your life, if you want to have the very best outcome, and what is the best outcome of our lives? There can be no better outcome of your present life than that which God has ordained for you. So the faith we spoke about last night by Pastor Davis, that you, you now going to express your faith in God. You know what? God knows what's best for me. So it is no longer me determining what it is that is going to make me happy. He says to us, and listen to these words now in Matthew 6 and verse 33. Listen to the, to the way in which God has worked it out for us. Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. It doesn't end there. And all, all, and his righteousness, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all, these things will be added unto you. That includes all the other things that you are thinking about. But there is a way when we come to God that it works for us. That what God says is, you know what? The first thing you need to do is first things first. And when you make that step, I will work with you to see you through the other things. Instead, the reverse is what happens. 
you know what? I want to go to church, and I would love to be in church regularly, but I need to take care of this first. I need to at least get the job going, because without money, I will not be able to survive and to take care of the children, and I will not be able to pay the mortgage, and I will not be able to. So I need to get that done. So I know I'm not supposed to be working on Sabbaths, and I know the feast days. I'm supposed to be there are holy days, and I, I know these things. But I, I, that's exactly where I'm going. That's exactly what I want to do. So I know that God will understand. I know that God will, will see my heart, that I really want to do His will. But he, 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 he will at least understand what I'm doing. We've worked it out ourselves. But that is not the way God works. And we need to get on board with God's methodology. We need to understand God's mind and how He is bringing into being the very things that you and I need. The very things that we need. Look at verse 25 of Matthew 6. Therefore, this, this is now what, what preceded his making that statement about CT first. Listen to why he said it. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink. The very opposite of what we are thinking. We are there worrying about what we are going to have to eat, what we are going to have to drink, what we are going to have to do, what we are going to have to pay, and all that. Do not worry about these things. Nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? That again is another powerful question. Whether we realize it. He goes on, verse 20. Look at the birds of the air. For they neither, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet our heavenly Father feeds them. The concept of placing the kingdom of God first in our lives has universal, a universal application in our lives. We need to understand this concept of seeking the kingdom of God represented by the Feast of Tabernacles. The reason you come to the Feast of Tabernacles is because you have a mindset, you have, you have a concept, you have, you have a worldview that is not the worldview of the world. The worldview of the world, in fact, is one that Jesus directly opposes. The world thinks that a man's life Possess, in, um, consists in the abundance of his possession. That is the worldview. So when we want to see a successful person, we probably look at where they live, the cars they drive, you know, what, whether the family is being successful in, in, in their material world. Children are all doing their masters. We, we look at these things. These are the measurements of the world about what it means to be successful. 
The very direct opposite is what Jesus says. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession. And the young people among us, the children, the, 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 the young adults, the teenagers, you need to take hold of this concept at an early stage in your life. Because when you have this, you're having a unique perspective on life that is very rare and it's the only perspective that works. Think about it. Think about the economic crash that came a couple of years ago. And how many billionaires became paupers? Think about it. Think about how many persons, a number of persons, some you might not have heard about, but in our own little circles, we hear of people either end up, you know, with terrible sicknesses because the, the, the stress that they came under or, or committed suicide because their world crashed. These are the realities that, that, that prove the statement Jesus made, that it is correct. So, the people of God, when we meet at the Feast of Tabernacles and we come here, we must understand that, look, we are indeed a called out people. We are indeed a different kind of people. We are indeed aliens and strangers and sojourners in this world. We do not belong to this world. We belong to another country. Our citizenship is in heaven, which Christ will bring with him. So right now we are aliens, resident aliens. Or if you want a little bit of promotion, you may say you are ambassadors, ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And therefore, you represent a country which is not the country in which you live. The country in which you live is simply a temporary dwelling until the real dwelling, the new Jerusalem, comes down from out of heaven. These are the things we need to feed on. These are the things we need to meditate on. These are the things we need to contemplate. These are the things we should discuss that should absorb our, 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 our interactions when we are talking with people. Sometimes we are talking about the latest movie or we are talking about maybe, you know, the stock market or we are talking about, you know, something in the, in the neighborhood. The, the things that, that should preoccupy God's people. Because that's, that's the reason you're called into the church. That's the reason you're part of the body of Jesus Christ. That's the reason you're called to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Because the things that are preoccupy your mind is quite different from that which preoccupies the world. So when you begin to talk with people and the brethren, that is why, you know, this kind of language, if you go there and you start talking to people in the world about it, they think you're crazy. They say, well, where do you come from? You're strange. I, I need to, you need to go check out the, the, you know, the, the, the psychiatrist. Because what you're saying is so, is so out of sync with what they, they believe. But when we fellowship, and last night we were talking about fellowshipping, the body, the sermon in the day, the, the Bible study in the evening, speaking about the, the, the importance of assembling together, the, the importance of fellowshipping with one another. 
Because we can speak the same language. We can speak the same things. We can energize each other. As iron sharpens iron, so does one brethren sharpen the countenance of the other. And that is what we are being called. So he goes on in verse 28. So why do you worry about your clothing? Consider the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet, I say to you, that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these blades of grass, or one of these lilies. You know, the beauty about the God we worship, is that although God is spirit, he understands our, our we are in the, in the state of flesh and blood, that we are, we are, we are, we are, we are literal um, beings. We, we, are, we are not spirit. We, 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 are, we are mortal beings. And he understands that. So he knows that it's difficult for us to relate to spiritual things. So he gives us these practical things. And when you go there and you look, as I'm looking at this plant in front of me, and I'm saying, what, what a beautiful thing. Just take a look. Just take a look at all the things here. How did they, how did they, how, how did they, these, no, I know some of them might be artificial, so, so don't, <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I'm talking about real things. I'm not talking about artificial things. Because, you know, we try to make things that look like the real thing. And, you know, maybe this is real. I don't even know. My wife could tell you. But, but the point I'm making is just, just take a look at the beauty. Because say, look, I allow that to happen. I allow that to happen. I believe we need to redefine ourselves. I think we need to sit quietly and rethink this idea of the kingdom of God. What is my position on it? Do I have this attitude that I'm seeing in the scriptures? Does it match up with the way I think? What examples can I give to show that this is the way I think and this is the way that I live? You see, to seek first the kingdom of God. Christ gives some examples of what it means. He made one of the, the persons he, he, was, he called said to him, Master, I, I, I will come, but my father is dead. Now think about that. And I need to go bury my father. How insensitive can one get to turn to a person like that and say, forget about it. Let the dead bury their dead. You come after me. You know, if that statement were ever made by someone in the church who is speaking to another about their salvation and and what they need to do, the extent to which we must go to cure this pearl of great price. They would say, you know what? No, 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 no. Look, look. You're, you're a cult. I, I think you're very insensitive. You can't be a Christian. 
and, and speak like that. You're not even thinking about, you know, my, 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 my feelings. You're not thinking about the fact that I love my father. And Jesus would make another statement. And he says, anyone who does not love me more than mother, father, whoever, sister, brother, is not worthy of being my disciple. But you know, we have to start to think whether we really want this thing. You know, we need to sit down and really consider. I think why many people are in the faith is because, you know, they are not sufficiently interacting with these things. But these things, there are a lot of people who Jesus spoke with who walked away. They wanted to have nothing to do with him. The demands were too much. They were too high. But if we are talking about entering the kingdom of God, this is a serious matter. It's nice to turn up to the Feast of Tabernacles and to, to stay in a hotel and to get away from the, the, the hustle and bustle and to have our families with us or, or you know, whatever may be the convenience you're enjoying and to have, get up in the me- have your meal and, you know, you don't have to be worrying about all the, the, the issues that you normally... All that is nice. But the Feast of Tabernacles go beyond those things. God wants us to enjoy the feast. It, he takes us away from all of that so that we can think about things like this. This is what he wants us to think about. He wants us to think that and to understand that there is a cost. There is a cost and we must count the cost in order to attain that kingdom. That is where Christianity is. Let's, 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 let's face it. Let's talk about it. And, 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 you know, among ourselves, let us consider these things and, and talk with brethren about these, these demands that God has placed and see whether, you know, it is livable. Is the Christian life livable? Is it possible to do these things? Are we prepared to do them? It's very important questions that we must consider. Because when we are going for the kingdom of God, nothing must take priority in our lives over the kingdom. In other words, there is no excuse we can give. That is why Christ used the example of the, 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 the gentleman with his, um, with his father. There's no excuse that is acceptable. Because if we are not prepared to lay down our life for Jesus Christ, the way he laid down his life for us, we have missed. We have missed it. We are not thinking in the same way. We're not on the same wavelength with Christ. So, The beauty about seeking the kingdom of God is that it also answers the issues of this present life. It answers the issues of whether it is the issues of money or the issues of health or the issues of family and relationships 
It answers all those issues. Why? How does it answer them? It answers them because the promise of the kingdom of God is to give you a hundred and more fold whatever it is that you may, you may, you may, you may lose as a result of making the sacrifices. Again, the investment principle. The investment principle. You are going to put something out there and you're going to put it, it's almost like in your case or in my case, we may say it's a risk. We may think so. But it's an investment we are making. But that investment promises a hundredfold and more. So let me ask you, if you had a guarantee from the, 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 the um, Federal Reserve Bank or the Canadian Central Bank that if you should purchase some bonds at $100, that the return of it the return on those bonds of $100 in a given period of time, within your lifetime, maybe 10 years, will be a hundredfold. You and I can relate to that. We would even probably go and borrow the money and buy those bonds. We could do that. You see, there is a mechanic to Christianity. There is a working out. In the same way we sit and we study and we work out things and say this plus this equals that and minus this equals that divided by this equals that. In the very way we need to be mindful and attentive to these things that are being promised in the Word. Because think about what the rewards are of now doing all of what we are talking about for the kingdom of God. All of the sacrifice. Think about the rewards. Look at, look at John 3. 1 John 3 and verse 3. 1 John 3, 3 says that at the appearing of Jesus Christ we shall be like him. That's the first thing. We shall be like him. Philippians 2 and verse 20, if you can't turn there quickly enough, make a note of it. Philippians 3 and verse 20 says that Christ will change our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. So you will be no less than Christ. That's a promise. That is the investment. That is what you, you're working towards. That is why you can have joy. Because you see, when you, when you borrowed that $100, uh, you know, maybe you borrowed $1,000, so it's, it's $10, $100, and you invested it, you are already thinking about what you're going to be getting. You think about the returns. You know it is a safe investment because it is a federal bank and you are thinking along those lines. 
And so you're in a position where you're able to, to be content. And that is what it is like with the kingdom of God. No matter the condition, the state of life, whether it is health or wealth, this is the real health and wealth gospel. The health and wealth gospel that you are hearing out there is not health and wealth. That health and wealth is talking about the, 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 the health and wealth of this world. The health and wealth that God has in store for us is to become co-inheritors with Jesus Christ in order not only to be like him and his glorious body. Look at Daniel 7 and verse 27. Let's, let's move through as quickly as we can. There's a lot to cover here. Daniel 7:27. Look at the exciting offer that we have. Why does God say rejoice when you come to the Feast of Tabernacles? It is because these are real offerings that God is making to us. Daniel 7.27 And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. And this kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. So the possession of the kingdom ultimately will be there. So right now we possess the kingdom by faith. We are seeing the values of the kingdom. We are understanding it in the very way that we are seeing the the $100,000 that we are going to get with our $1,000, if, if we can already see that, we can see this too. The difference is we believe that. But do we believe this? That is where we are supposed to be with our attitude and mindset towards his kingdom. And it goes on and it shows you the greatest things. Now, you're going to be exactly like Jesus. Look at really who he is. Turn to Colossians 1 and verse 15. You're going to be exactly like him. So you need to know exactly who are you going to be like. This is the promise of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God promises us both a new life and in that life, eternal life, so that we can own eternal things. And all we are thinking about is, well, what does it cost to get that? What does it cost to get that? A prudent businessman or businesswoman or a prudent teenager who is looking into the future and want the best for himself or herself it's going to look and say, well, what is the best thing I can, I can do with my life? Colossians 1, 15 to 20, speaking about Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created. All things? Yes. Explain. Things in heaven, things on, her, on earth, visible, 
invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. Meditate on that a bit. You want, you want, <laughs> you know, are you ambitious? Are, are we ambitious? We, we will run down one acre of land, you know, in, in, in the middle of the city of Toronto, if it were going. And if we heard that we could get that one acre of land, wow, we think of a skyscraper going up on it. When we think about this, we begin to think. We begin to think. We begin to understand what this kingdom offer is all about. And therefore, we can't ignore it. We can't take it for, for granted and, um, and, not, and not exercise our minds. And so, coming to this Feast of Tabernacles, we need to leave. We need to go home. And you see, even the first few days after you leave the feast, we should be preoccupied. What is it that I am taking away from the Feast of Tabernacles? How is my attending the Feast of Tabernacles in 2014, how is it making my life different? How is it going to assist me to address the problems that I have, that I'm contending with now in my life? We need to take some time and meditate. We need, we need to really, when we get up to our rooms in the evenings, or we wake up very early in the mornings at 3 o'clock, and your eyes flip wide open. You need to lie down right there and consider, am I prepared to do the things that Christ has required of me in order to enter his kingdom? Be honest with ourselves. Nobody, nobody is hearing. So you, 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 can, you, can, you can think. Nobody else will know what your decision is. But can we afford... Not to do it is a question. We go on. Verse 17. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the, 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 the supremacy. For God was pleased have all his fullness dwell in him. That is exactly what is going to happen to you. You're going to share in that. Where God's fullness is going to dwell in the body of Jesus Christ. All of that. You know, when you think about it, the most you could get out of this life in terms of years, is probably 120. I give you 130. 130 years. Think about it. 
Think about it. You know, I don't know why we can make practical decisions concerning, you know, our budgets and we can make good decisions concerning, you know, um, how we are going to manage our, our practical lives. And we, 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 all you have is 130 years. The millennium alone, I'm not even talking about eternal life yet. The millennium alone is a good deal. It's a good deal. I can get a thousand years. I'm ready. I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem. In other words, this life is not it. This life is not really what I'm about. This is not my investment. This is just an opportunity for me to see the real investment. And to go for it. And to go for it with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my strength. That is what it is. The vision of God's kingdom. Realizing that vision. Crystallizing it in our minds. And living up to it. Is the mission of every believer. Everyone want to enter the kingdom of God. Revelation 3, verse 21. You're not only going to be getting all of these to be like Christ, to be, to, to be able to, to have eternal life, to possess all the things. Because when you say possess all things, yes, we will dwell on the earth. Let's get it straight. Yes, we will dwell on the earth. But the universe is ruled from the earth. The universe will be ruled from the earth. God will dwell with man and, 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 and the, the entire rulership from the earth. And so what it means, you see, I don't know. I don't know, but, you know, I... I Having, having had a, a sort of a marketing kind of background, business background, I tend to think, I tend to think, when I think about the number of galaxies that exist out there, just think about it. Just think about it. Look, don't, don't, let's not be hypocrites. Man is trying to get out there. They are making Sputniks and all kind of things. To try to get out there. They're trying to get at it. They see some value in it. They'd like to know more about it. They'd like to see if they can get some way to access it. And to benefit from it. Let's not be foolish. We know the value of it. Do you know that there are enough galaxies out there. That each one of us. Could become the owner of a galaxy. Oh you see Maybe that is, no, that is, that probably stretching it too far, you think? We're talking about a little piece of land on the earth and so on. But do you know that God has in store things such as galaxies? We just live in one of those galaxies called the Milky Way. But there is so much more that is out there. Those things will be all there. But here is what, what God is also giving you. Revelation 3, 20, 21. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. 
Just as I overcame and sit with my father on his throne. Rulership. Rulership. And this is what we know that the Feast of Tabernacles represents the coming kingdom of God and the rulership of the saints with Jesus Christ over the nations. We know this. And this is, when we come to this feast, I see people holding conventions and all kinds of other things. And they, they can't speak what they're speaking. It doesn't make any sense to them. It doesn't make any sense to them. What we're speaking here is a language that is not a language of the world. The world does not understand this. This feast of tabernacles. What it really means and what it, what it manifests and what it portrays and what it opens up our minds to. And so, I want to close with a few thoughts on just some of the steps that you and I need to take. Turn with me to Hebrews 11, not 11, Hebrews 5, verse 11. Please. The book of Hebrews is featuring very heavily in this um, piece of tabernacles. And among all the things that we are reading from it is this. What it does is it laments the lack of growth and the lack of maturity among God's people. The lack of growth, the lack of maturity among God's people. This is what it says. Verse 11. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. We were asking last night in the Bible study, what is it that happened? Why so many people left the church? What is it that caused so many of them to, to after being in the worldwide church of God for so long, that when Mr. Takash came in, he could just, like that, and flip them out. And they, they give up the Feast of Tabernacles and give up everything and go on to, to doing what the world does. Why? It's because there are many in the body of Christ who are not growing. They are pretty much where they were when they first walked in. That is what is happening. They, the illustration is given of a, the principal of a school who was um, hiring uh, teachers from his staff and, you know, promoting, promoting teachers within his staff. And after the whole thing was over, the, the promotion was given to a teacher who was only five years on the staff, only five years. And among the applicants were some teachers who were there for like 20 years. And it created a bit of disturbance. The teacher of 20 years went to the principal and said, Sir, what's happening here? I don't understand what's going on here. 
you have you've promoted this this person who you know is just a newcomer per se only 5 years i've been here 20 years i have far more experience in the school how could you do that and the principal turned to her and said this he said you have 20 years of service with one year experience. You can be in the church for a very long time. And what really happens is that you are not growing. You're pretty much where you are. You're a very nice person, very friendly, very much a person who will, you know, trouble-free. Very, very fine person. But not taking the time to move from one level to the other. Here's what he says. You need, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to, to, to need milk and not solid food. In other words, I can't give you the solid food. If I give you solid food, you don't have teeth to bite into it. I will choke you. So I have to continue to give you milk. Many are at the milk level. And when you are at the milk level, the Takashis can come in. And all they have to do is to give you something, put a little more sweetener in the milk. And you're all right. You're all gone. That's really where it's at. Then he goes on in verse 15. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. That's really what is happening. So we can be 50 years old, 100 years old, but we're still a babe. And that's one of the decisions that personally each one of us has to look at. I have to look at it and say, you know, where am I now in the depth of my, my understanding, my commitment in the church as against when I first came in? Is it that all that I know are the same things that I used to hear that Mr. Armstrong used to be, you know, and it's just a regurgitation, I can't move from there? In a sense, the church itself is running into that problem. In a sense, the church itself is simply regurgitating and not growing. Not growing, not developing. Not, there are people out there who are looking at the things that we know and we teach, who, who, who we are a threat to, because we are teaching things that are pointing them out as unbelievers. And they are taking our literature, punching holes in some of it, pulling out some of it, taking, making use of it, in order to try and use it against us. You know what? We have not moved on. We have not grown. We have not strengthened. We have not found more things in order to, 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 to bolster what we believe. We are not anchored deep enough in, 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 in those things. It goes on. It says, but solid food belongs to those 
who are of full age. And that age is the age in the church must be commensurate with your age in terms of your understanding and your growth and your belief and your development and your participation. Can't be a babe. And this is why many will be locked out of the kingdom. We never did grow. We were like the seeds that were thrown on the soil that, that was, was not, had no depth in it. It was stony or something. And that seed is our mind and our heart. It's us. We are the soil. And the seed is the word of God that is placed in us. But nothing is growing. And we have to take a decision. Am I growing? And what must I do to grow? Are the things that we need to address. And so, we, it, it, it goes on, it says, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So th- th- these are, are things that we know are takeaways from the Feast of Tabernacles. Measurements, things we're going to use to measure ourselves. How am I growing? How well you know, have, I, have I moved on? How much do I now believe this by myself? Why is it that nobody can come and snatch it away from me? Am I holding on to the cold tate, uh, cold tail of, 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 of my ministers so that if my minister falls, I fall with him? Or am I now grown up where I can stand on my own feet and therefore I am, I am able to withstand the, 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 um, the forces that may come against me, these are critical and very important things that we have to do. So, as we close, brethren, I want you to consider that the things that we go through as we go back into the world, meaning, you know, as we leave the Feast of Tabernacles, when we do, at the end of it, I leave today. I go to Baltimore and then to, um, to go to Jamaica to the feast in both places, to participate in the feast there. And I want to say, as we go back out there, we need, therefore, to put all of the things that are happening in our lives in context. We need to take as much interest in working out these things um, as we do with the many other things that we work out in our lives. We need to, to sit down and take a pen and paper and draw lines and look at how we are doing on various things that we are, we are, we are talking about here. We need to understand the issues, the issues we are facing, the issues of relationships, how that fits in. How does that fit? How does that issue of, of of relationships that are, are bothering us. How does that fit into this thing called the kingdom of God? How does, how does the, the issue of, of the, the, the illnesses we are going through, how does it fit into this thing called the kingdom of God? Is it two separate things, or, or is there a way in which I can see a relationship between one and the other? Those are things that, that we need to sit and talk about. We need to understand that those issues are there to help you and help me to, to be able to overcome them, to develop the, the, the techniques and the character 
that Christ is instilling in us in order that we can become the leaders that he wants us to be. So when they come, they are not things that are bothering us, where we are now um, unable to even think or relate, or we are in depression, or we are, we are, we are, we are spaced out, or you know, we, we, we can't t- go to services, or we can't talk to people, or it doesn't happen. We see them as positive things that are provided for us in life. In other words, God is so good to us that he will provide people in the church that will upset us. You don't have to go too far to get that benefit so that you can exercise those qualities, those godly qualities that he, he is building in you. God will give you those problems right in your home. Right in your home. Whether it is problems that he will cause your spouse to give to you, your child to give to you, or your pet to give to you, or whoever is going to give it to you. But you don't have to go far. It's winter. And I need to have the the, the tools that can help me to grow and to develop. And God provides it for me in the house. I don't have to go out in the ice and the snow to find it. The mindset of a Christian is one that supersedes the ordinariness of worldly thinking. And each one of us must now rise. Rise to the occasion. Take hold of this salvation which God has given to us. A free salvation that Christ has already died for us. The time is now because we are very close to the end, closer than we think. Take hold of eternal life. God has granted it to each one of us. And he would not have called you, he would not have called me, if he thought we did not have the capacity and the ability to make use of it. And therefore, anything that happens other than our entrance into the kingdom becomes our own fault. May God bless you. May he strengthen you. May he enlighten us. May he continue to shine upon us. And may he give us that determination to endure to the end that we may overcome and become rulers with Jesus Christ and his kingdom. May God bless you.